So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. You've got Archie here, joined as always with Leo and Toby and another great round of Super Rugby AU and Aturoa over the weekend. And I think that was definitely the peak of what I've seen in these revamped competitions, if not for 2020. It's absolutely scintillating games coming down to the wire on both sides of the Tasman. Boys, great to have you back. I wanted to start off before we get into some of these games. There's been a lot of hype, a lot of talk about different players coming in, about players standing out in their respective teams, in their respective competitions. I want you to give me an overrated and an underrated player um, out of either either competition. Why don't we start with overrated players? Leo, do you want to kick us off? I'm, I'm going to get straight on the hot take, and my overrated player is Michael Hooper. What? Massively overrated. Massively overrated. No, I've had a, I've had a real turning point on Hooper. I'm really frustrated. I, I don't think he, I don't think he works in with his team well. I think he does work very, very hard, but I don't see him as part of that Waratah side. I don't see him like combining well with other players. Um, and we've had we had some chats about um, the Wallabies on the weekend with a with a friend of ours and. I just look at it as you've got a guy who everyone obviously thinks is pretty elite. I I think he's very good at certain things, but I think he's absent in a lot of other areas. And the, it just annoys me that he's a he's an auto select for the Wallabies. For me, I wouldn't even have him on my starting back row. At best, he'd be off the bench as a as an impact player when you need a particular style of player. Um, so I would, what, I would what's, not, he, what's he not present with? So you said he's good at things but not present at others. What's he not present at? So he basically commits nothing to the line-out. He's almost always pulled out of the line-out and t- like either either chasing the, the ball carry when it comes out to the backs uh, or he's sort of ranging out wide. But we don't see that the sort of the breakout runs that he used to make. He always used to run a really great line and, and cut through into the backfield and be there offloading and setting up in the second second level of play. And I just haven't seen that. I feel like he's just going through the motions and sort of chipping in at the ruck. But, he, but again, he's not really adding anything that anyone else couldn't add, hence overrated, because no one, no one seems to criticise him for just being kind of, you know, just going through the motions. And, um, you know, on the scrums, he, I mean, flankers don't add that much anyway, but rarely see him. Um, you know, tear away and uh, roll up the half back like he used to. Like he's just maybe maybe he's lost half a step of speed. Um, but I just don't see him combining in general players. He's I just don't see him. Like he used to be such a standout, and I think he deserved his reputation. But these days, I feel he's overrated. Wow. Okay. So we could talk about this forever. But um, <laughs> so if you're picking the Wallabies right now. Obviously, Hooper's not in your starting back row. Who's your starting back row? 
So it's a toss-up at eight between whether we think Izzy Nyasarani is fit and in form based on last we saw him, but not currently playing. So based on current form, um, I would I would have to give it to Harry Wilson. Um, he's been pretty standout as a rookie in Super Rugby. I think he's earned a call-up into the squad, and, and if Nyasarani isn't there, I'd certainly be giving him an opportunity. Uh, at six, I would have uh, Rob Valentini. He's been putting in good performances for the Brumbies. Um, seems to be staying fit and healthy, um, having having big impact from the start of the game. Really solid ball runner, involved in lineouts, good good at solid in the rucks. He's not getting uh, picked off for in the side penalties all the time like a few of our other back rowers and some of our some of our backs, Amy <laughs> Stewart. And at seven, I would be putting Liam Wright in. He shifted to six for the Reds to make room for Fraser McWright. But Liam Wright, particularly at the start of the year before the, the COVID breakdown and the introduction of these new competitions, playing at seven, creating critical turnovers at you know important junctures in the game. Uh, he shifted to six. He's still leading that team. He's still involved. Um, he's a smart player. He's you know he's spotted a couple of times where the ball's been in the opposition's in goal, and albeit he's been offside and, and just sort of fluffed the grounding. He's there pressuring the halfback. He's he's creating those opportunities. They got a goal line drop out of out of uh, one of those plays. Um, I just think he's a smarter player. He's more well rounded. He's physically bigger. He's you know he can contribute in the lineouts, contribute more uh, around the field. Um, I don't think he's underrated. I just think he's um, I think he's on the right path now. I'd have him as my seven. Okay, that's a pretty solid argument um, for that background. I mean, I don't think you can really argue with that, but. Hooper out would be such a massive change. I just think it gives you the traditional balance that we're lacking. I don't think Hooper's massive work rate makes up for the things that you lose by picking him for that. And I don't think you need a guy with a standout massive work rate when you've got a team of 15 national players um, who are all pulling their weight. You've got wasted capacity in Hooper um, and, you're, and you're missing other, other skill sets in your side. I think that's a, a weakness for the Wallabies. Toby, overrated player? Uh, Matt Tamil, for me. I still think Going in, back to the well. in a right. 10. <laughs> I'm not going to harp on this for too long, but it, I just play think... on the weekend. <laughs> I know. I, just, I mean, yeah, that's I lazy get... right there. That's just laziness, isn't it? Not even getting on the field. I thought you said it was laziness from me, picking Matt Tamil. It's so easy. <laughs> easy I mean, target. I think, look, he's he's in and around the game, even off the field. He's very heavily involved in a lot of these contract negotiations and, and player stuff, general player stuff. So I think, like, he's a very well respect, re, well respected guy around around the traps, and I can I can see why. But as a ten, I think he's overrated. Um, I like him at twelve. I think that's his natural position, but I think just given the you know. The young tens in Australia. I think he sees an opportunity there, and I think he's trying to capitalise on that. You can't blame him for that. I just don't think that he's, yeah, that elite level number ten that we need going forward. So that's as simple as that. I think. So I was looking at a couple of players that I could have put as overrated, like just some of the absolute. I won't swear, but. Uh, hype that some of the Australian commentators were putting on some people over the weekend, like people like talking up Joey Walton for the Tars, like constantly throughout this game, constantly referring to where he's from, what 
private Sydney schools and clubs that he plays for. From talking to Filippo Dalgunu, and they've finally decided that he's actually good, and so Horan's decided that he's absolutely behind him and saying he's in the Wallabies jersey. But I'm actually going to have to say, based on recent performances, I think we've gone a little bit overhyped on Bowden Barrett. He was absolutely rubbish on the weekend. He had his, yes, okay, he got a try, he got to put through a gap and he's still quick, but he was constantly giving away penalties, diving over rucks, diving in from the side. He pretty famously got stood up by Nani Lamarpi and beaten on the outside, which is embarrassing for his former um, teammate to just do that to him and run straight over him. And he got well and truly outplayed by his brother, who's also in that 15 position. And this is a position that he's supposed to be, well, he's supposed to be the best player in the world. And he's supposed to be representing, well, likely to be picked for, at 15 for his country. Do you think these, um, like, definitely noticed these infringements of the ruck? He was, he was definitely a culprit there a couple of times at critical moments, just falling over what was otherwise good attacking ball. Um, you know, across the game line, and then he's upset the momentum doing that. Is that him needing to do more in a team um, from fullback than he's used to playing ten for the Hurricanes, where he's not probably expected to, to play that role? And across the back line, you know, they had a pretty solid side there when he was involved, and you know, they all they all did their bit. He wasn't really called into action at the ruck. It's just a weakness in his game. You, you, you're putting too much yeah. on that. Well, I think it's partly because he's trying to do a little bit too much. I think he feels a little bit like, because of Terry Black's been playing that well, and it's a shame that he got injured this weekend, but he feels like he's not doing that much in terms of leading his team around. He's not actually needed in setting up this back line in a lot of, in a lot of moves. And so I feel like he's trying to inject himself in other parts. And yes, he's still mm-hmm. a really quick guy. It's like, I wonder if you could just stick him on a wing sort of thing. Um, if you really just like need that speed guy, need a guy kick, could he just be that person? Um, but yeah, I think. But Jordy's that person. All the Barretts are that person. I'm sure you could put Scotty on the wing, and he'd probably be fine too. <laughs> well, this this has all kind of happened since he's been switched to 15 for the All Blacks. I think it's you've seen his form deteriorate from there from last year. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's quite recovered yet. Um, and having a layoff from Super Rugby initially, not playing for the Blues. Um, coming in late in the piece, I don't feel like he's really truly part of that team yet. He I know that he, he has these individual yet. moments. No. And I think even that try he scored in reaction to getting stood up by Laomapi, where he was just, you know, standing further in in the back line where a 10 would stand and just burst through, I think that's his natural game. Yeah. And you put him in with more space. Um, even if he has to run the ball back, he's not the biggest guy. Like, he's not going to knock someone over. Um, he always relies on his pace. So I just think he's he's better when he has less time almost to make decisions and he's just kind of, I don't know. I think at the back he just sees too much and he, he almost, I think, overthinks what he's going to do. Maybe. Um, or maybe it's, just, maybe it's just he needs more time in the 15 jersey overall. Um, but it's, it's noticeable. I think he more time. But wouldn't you also say that playing at 15, when you're returning the ball or when you're receiving the ball as part of a backline attacking move, generally you've got fewer options. Like you, you've probably got a winger outside you. There might be a loose forward floating out there as well. You know, you used to have Dane Coles floating out there. But at 10, 
your generally first receiver or, or maybe off a off a rolling forward, and you've got like four or five guys outside you, you see Bowden Barrett size up the situation and execute a pass, you know, double cutout to the guy who's running at a gap, and you go, wow, that's amazing. Like that's what he, that's part of what he used to do. Do you, do you think that you're not seeing as many situations like that because he's coming from fullback and he's basically trying to beat one on one someone? I think you're, you're, but he has you're more saying he has less support. No, you're no, not less support. less support. I'm saying immediately the, the people around him because he's playing fullback. The situations where he's carrying the ball back from a kick or where he's you know wide in the attacking line. By the time he's got the ball, like he's he's that many more passes down the line. There's fewer people to pass to. So, That's what I mean. He has less support around him in those moments. He might only have one or two guys around him. I wouldn't so say it's less support. I would just say it's, it's just less players. Well, it's more yeah. relying on him to do something. Supporting but... players is what I mean, not support as in yeah, yeah, people yeah. aren't. It's, yeah, it's more right. supporting people in yeah. those moments to actually, so he can feed off that or put them through a gap. Because yeah, you think about him. like they're bustling up to the trial line, they're five or ten metres out, they have a ruck. Ball comes out to Bowden Barrett at fly half. He's got three guys outside him, and he nails the guy who's got the gap on the chest. Guy falls over the line. Like you can still do a bit of that from fullback, but there's going to be fewer opportunities where you're the guy delivering that pass. You're more likely to be the guy out wide receiving the pass. So less opportunity to shine. If they say he's just as involved as he was before, that's probably you know overhyping him. I don't think you take the best ten in the world. And move him out of position, and then expect him necessarily to perform at the same level. I think that's unrealistic. I think if you put Richie Moanga at fullback, his game wouldn't suit that, and he wouldn't thrive in that position. Mm. I think Bowden is a bit more flexible. He has a bit more to his game, his running game. He's he's more of a natural athlete than Richie Moanga. But yeah, I I don't, I don't see Fifteen as his best position. It's funny that well, Richie's better in better form. So if you're picking just if you're saying he's a 10 and you're picking the best 10 for the All Blacks, it's Richie Moonga. It's funny that this happens to someone like Bowden and yet you see like players like Joshua Wani or like Kurtley Beale used to get shifted around position to position and then people would complain about maybe them not performing as well. And it's like, this can happen to the best player in the world. It doesn't have to be. And you're asking like these other players to just step up and do it. Well, and it's like... No wonder. It reminds you how good, like, Two Dads was that he could, say, move around and still perform very consistently. Yeah. Um, but, like, I mean, Bowden's causes, he moved franchises. If he'd stayed at the Canes and stayed at 10 with his brother there, with Nani Lamapi, with TJ, like, I think he would be stood up by playing much so. better footy. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't be, but he'd, he'd be in he his I think, Rico. natural position. <laughs> that That would just keep rolling, and I think it would have... You know, he's going to Japan after this. Like, there's a lot of questions there over the next few years. Is it going to be Bowden? Is it going to be Richie? I think, you know, it's in his own in his own hands, really, his destiny, um, based on the commercial decisions he makes off the field. All right, let's not dwell on this too long. Let's get to our underrated players. And, Toby, we'll start with you, your underrated player. Uh now I'm going to jump across the other side of Australia and go to John O'Lance. I think yeah, nice. he's being underrated at the moment. Um, and look, I think he had a tricky few years there um, across different franchises. After he won with the Reds, came down to the Waratahs, also won in that team. But 
wasn't getting as much playing time um, and then was a bit frustrated by that and was, was moving around again, went to the UK. I think he's come back a better player. He's obviously close to the 30 now. Um, you know, he's, he's very experienced, but I can just see him playing with that confidence. He's, he's not questioning himself. And even with guys he hasn't played much with, he just seems to be playing with that confidence and kind of, I think, inspiring confidence with the guys around him. And would you, since it's just jumped into my head, would you rather have him at Wallabies 10 than Matt Tamua? Yes. I mean, so would I. The way, the way he was playing 100%. at the start of the game for the force on the week. I don't think there's any doubt. Attacking the line, throwing these shallow balls. He, like, put the Reds on the back foot so quickly and, like, made them question everything that they normally do. And the normally team was really good defence and he was just cutting them open almost. And, like, yeah, it might be that... Some of those passes don't always go to hand, but the threats he was making, he almost looked, the way he was attacking it was sort of like how Quade Cooper tries to attack the line. But he's but he still seems to have a little bit of maturity to his game as well. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And also, yeah, it's a guy then that's more of a 10 than a 12. I mean, he's played, he played a lot at the Waratahs at 12 and it just didn't work quite as well. Um, we know he can play 15. He played that for the Reds. Yep. Um, so he is adaptable, but I think I think we've seen now his best position is ten, and if he gets more time there, um, even at Worcester he was in and out of the team, didn't get as much time as he needed, but now with the force he's in you know automatic pick every week. Um, it's a shame there's not more more games for him to kind of put more of a case together for maybe the Wallabies, but he missed out before on Wallabies a uh, Wallabies birth. You could see maybe Rennie taking a punt on him. Maybe him, O'Connor, and Tamur even, if they're guys that can play in different positions, and then maybe you have Noah in there as well. So you've got four ten options, but obviously three of them can play in different positions. I think you could have all five, and I think Tamur is the weakest of the bunch because O'Connor can play in the centres, and yeah, if you had to, John O'Lance can play in the centres, but you might choose to have him as the, the primary ten, and then you've got Noah and yep. Will Harrison to... Correct. To learn Correct. And, and, and develop behind the, the two guys. And to be honest, I wouldn't bother with Matt Tamur, but you could have him <laughs> as well as a centre. Mm. I think we've got enough stock without him. Leo, who's your underrated player? So I'm going to go across to the, how is that, actually, Super Rugby Atara. Yeah, nice, mate. Um, and a guy who I've seen a little bit of, um, I think we should be seeing more of, I think we will see more of. Um, particularly in a team that's on the rebuild, um, Josh McKay, who was playing wing on the weekend for the Highlanders, really stood up, um, really strong play uh, out of the back, receiving kicks in space, making breaks, supporting well, um, some creative kicking as well. Um, just thought he had a great game and just on on um, being given the question, I've sort of gone back and had a quick look at his um, number of games played and in the last three years he's only been getting sort of two four starts for the Highlanders this is a guy who has stood up in the last few weeks he's now had um, five five this year but this is his first um, Super Rugby Otoroa match and I don't know how you leave him out in this team that yeah you should be getting Nehemil Nascada back um, you've got Yuani coming off the bench in this game, probably coming back into the starting side at some point. 
Mitch Hunt's a bit hot and cold with his kicking. Had a good good support game this week. Um, I think they've got to make room for this guy. I think he's he's underrated. He's got some really great raw skills, some good speed. Um, seems to make good decisions on the field. So I'd like to see more of him. Um, maybe a bit more of a, an unknown player than a, a wildly no, widely known and underrated player, but someone who I think has a has a big future in a team that's on the rebuild. Yeah, I agree. And he's another one that can play multiple positions. He's been in at 10, he's been at 15, he was on the wing for this one, but obviously has the skills, um, has the ball distribution, but also showed on the weekend he's he's got a lot of a good turn of pace and a lot of speed as well. When a guy like Gregory is getting a start, I think there's room for McKay. Yeah, I don't know how Gregory got the start over Nareki as well. Um, Nareki came on and absolutely electrified the Highlanders. Um, so I think I'd put Nareki and McKay as your wings for him. How about you, Arch? Who's your underrated player? So for me, I was again tossing up between two. Um, we've talked, we talked a little bit about Foway Saltier um, up there at the Reds, and I think he had a great game on the weekend. Um, so I think he's turning back into um, some really fine form, and he's a guy that people know, and people sort of have this idea that he's, oh, he's a bit older, he's just a Super Rugby player, and we mentioned before he has had Wallaby caps. And if he's and he's playing probably the best rugby of his career right now, um, yeah. And it's in a position. I totally agree. That we're probably lacking some people in terms of um, good-sized, smart um, rugby players um, with a good turn of pace. And Foyt it sort of ticks all that, bo- all those boxes. Um, and you, you saw he to the, this on the weekend. He went from just power running, bustling through tackles, knocking people away um, to a bit more subtle game, putting people through gaps and working for the offload. So I think he's definitely a guy that um, definitely should be on the radar for Dave Rennie this year. He's got great balance as well, doesn't he? Like, I, I used to think, I think this was probably when he was struggling with injury. I thought that it was a bit slow, a bit dumpy. Um, almost some of the things I've seen with Lalakai Fichetti, in some ways, mm. um, but at the moment he just looks like I think he's dropped a bit of bit of weight maybe, and he looks so quick. Um, and he's just he's done that two weeks in a row now. I know he he's come off the bench both. Oh no, sorry, he started this he week. Started didn't this he? game, yeah, got the start. Up. Last game came off the bench, but he's um yeah, he just looks like the the live wire in that ba- in that back line. Um, mm. I could see why it would be an attractive prospect at thirteen or on the wing for the Wallabies. Yep, absolutely. Let's let's jump into that game in some of our game reviews, and it was the Reds hosting the Western Force up there at Suncorp. Um, and again, just like last week, the Western Force started really sharp. We mentioned before, John Lance, a big um, proponent of that and a reason for that. Early tries to Jack McGregor and Brian Ralston, um, who got a double in this game. That's three in two games for the 20-year-old winger um, for the Force as well. Unfortunately, the Force hurt with injury, Ian Pryor leaving early in this game, uh, which hurts when you lose your halfback as well as your captain, as well as one of your most experienced players. Um, so the Force definitely suffered a little bit of that, and the Reds were able to come back. But it still was a close one. 31-24, the Reds ended up taking it. Yeah, another really enjoyable game. Um, good to see the Force measuring up pretty well with, with one of the stronger teams. Uh, I think the the good thing for the Force 
is like they're they're certainly like maybe they're running out of puff in the second half somehow or out of momentum. This game's probably more affected by the loss of prior. I would, I would put a fair bit on that. Um, certainly when times are getting a bit tough and and it's pretty close, he's the sort of guy who's going to um, sort of centre the team much more than um, his his substitute. Um, but strong strong <clears throat> match out of um, Brian uh, Ralston. Um, that guy's a, a flyer. Like he's another guy who's um, you know if he, if he was at the Western Force but not playing in this competition, you doubt most people would even know who he is. This this yeah. is his you know big breakout opportunity. It's he's up, he's a really yeah he's he's really should be on the radar of, of Rennie as well as a develop, development player. Um, another young winger, a lot of speed, uh, good finishing. Like you know, does all this almost the leaguey style finishes in the corner. Um, that athleticism, diving, placing the ball. We seen, I think, it was last week. But um, like, really exciting player. Um, but the Reds show their maturity again. They stay in the game even with cards, um, and and just hold on for the win. Um, they're, they're finding ways to get it done, which is what good teams will do. Even when they're under strength, um, you know, Reds with the the handicap for the season, having lost those core guys from the forwards. I think it's crazy. Like, I feel like I've been watching the Force for a couple of months now. It's been two games. I just feel almost familiar with these guys in the team. Like, I'm on board with them being back, um, and I think they've done a lot better than I expected. Um, and fast, fast starts. I I wonder whether it is a fitness issue. Um, or just the lack of depth, maybe off the bench. I'm not sure, but it's um it's something that can improve. If you if you're coming within seven points of the Reds at Suncorp, I mean that's a pretty fair effort. Yeah, absolutely agree. And and again, in trying circumstances, losing your captain. But I think the people that they've brought back into this team, not only John and Lance, people like um, Goodwin, people like Holmes in the front row as well. They've boosted up. Um, this team as well and look they, these guys are going to continue to make a statement and push and I, I just, I'm just waiting for the time they're going to finish off one of these games and it's not going to be a shock to anyone now if they come out and they smash the Rebels or they keep it close with the Brumbies next time they're, they're playing with them because they have the personnel and they have the belief in themselves I think yeah they're, they're all putting in their balanced team um, there's very few guys you consider superstar standouts. They're just all delivering their bit. Um, you know, the forwards particularly, like Thrush and Stowers and Stander, Ferris, like you're hearing their names throughout the game. They're carrying the ball. They're stealing the ball. Um, really, I think <clears throat> they're, they need to they need to work on their line-out. Their line-out was yep. poor. Um, that's, that's a weakness, and that's, you know, in this game where there's there's a few more rules that bend toward um, you know kicking and territory need to be stronger there um, and missed tackles missed tackles became an issue later in the game that I had think twice as many missed tackles as the Reds yeah and that's you know that's that's the good attacking team keeping it going for 80 minutes and just wearing you down and and the force need to keep their structure and and not allow the substitutes and the change through the 80 minutes to upset that balance. But there's very little between these teams. Like um, a few extra turnovers here, and you know some of that from lineouts. Um, you know the, the force is well and truly in these games. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't get too casual with with um, taking your kicks twice in two weeks. Um, man. But it's but it's you know four tries apiece. Yeah. Similar attacking meters. Um, you know, just didn't didn't win the possession battle. Didn't hold on to the ball, and um and, and the missed tackles really is, is all about letting them down. They're, they're very close to being uh, equitable with with the other Super Rugby Australia sides, and and that's exactly what we want to see in order to make the argument that they belong in amongst these teams. It's a bit of a worry, the red depth at lock, isn't it? Now that Blythe doesn't play this one, you've got Angus Scott Young in the second row. To his credit, it's a worry, but, but it worked. Yeah, to his like credit, they managed, didn't, didn't they? seem to set up. And, and Lucan um, Salakai Lotto stood up in this game and had one of his better performances, um, yeah. both carrying and in the line-out as well. That's true. But uh, also... <laughs> Uh, handsome Scott Young, this might be this might be an opportunity for him because how do you break into this side with what is a fairly solid back row? Um, you know they all play most of the minutes. This is this is showing now that, that they need some people to step up. They've got Blythe and um, Lucan, and who's next? Like if if Angus Scott Young can put his hand up and do all the things he was doing well in the back row while also carry well in the second row and keep that scrum together. Yeah. Um, that's great. That's that's exactly the sort of um, development they need to keep that team solid throughout the 80 using the bench. Absolutely. I do think, though, if you come up against a Brumbies scrum with him in the second row, they're going to get annihilated. <laughs> I just I don't think that... Like, Look, you, you s- could never pick him at international level at second row. No. He's not big enough. No, no, no. It's, that's it's not like putting Hannigan in the second row. You weren't picking him. You weren't picking him in the Wallabies in the back row. So that's a. No, no. It's not a fair I mean, argument. It's... But he's, he's he's getting an opportunity there. He's you know shown against a decent forward pack. Yeah, um, and he's he can, contributing he to the team. Them. Yeah. So you keep doing that, and he'll he'll develop the skills uh, if he keeps playing lock, and he might be one of those guys that surprises we never saw as a lock, but he's he's given the opportunity. He's asked to to take that role. Still pretty young. Man, it's it's, it's going to limit young. him. It's going to really limit him in terms of international selection, though, if he's if he's playing at lock. Because I'll never pick not... him at lock. It's he's, true. It's I like know, Mitch but he's Brown not. He's not on the. the he's not really going to be in the process. Like, how far down the pecking order is he at any position for international selection? Yeah. Well, last year he wasn't that far off when he was playing six. He was in the conversation. Like fringe squad member. That's when we had like six blonde blind sides, and we couldn't make up our mind who was best. Well, they were all playing the similar level. So we picked. We were comparing him to Tom Cusack, and um, who else was no, there? No, when he was starting Cusack. consistently, he was. People yeah. were people were pretty happy with the way he was playing, yeah. particularly defense in defense. Um, it's changed a bit <laughs> in the last twelve months, but. I know it's, he'd be happy to get game time. Let's be honest. I mean, if he's playing more minutes, that's a positive. It's just not like long term. That's not going to help him. Who, who would you prefer to have the red second row or the Brumbies second row from the weekend? Because they Brumbies second row seemed to not be playing very well, and we're getting dominated by Waratahs scrum. Yeah, I mean Murray Douglas early on in the year was absolutely killing it. I'm not sure he's brought the same form coming into this second. He's again part of more the of a six than a lock. It's a similar situation with him. He's he's a bit bigger than Angus Scott Young though. But Darcy Swain is, I think, where the development needs to be because he's 
I think, a future Wallaby. But perhaps his progression has come too soon into the, the starting lineup for the Brumbies because they've lost so many of their, yeah. their key second rowers from last year. They're feeling the loss of Caden Neville as well, I think. Um, Neville as well, yeah. Let's, let's, let's go on to this game because um, the Waratahs and Brumbies was way closer than we thought it was going to be. Um, the Waratahs had every chance to take this one. They were strong in the set piece. Their scrums, their, their defensive lineups. Rob Simmons, Ned Hannigan were absolutely um, killing it and they were stealing every ball that Flower was throwing up there. So something that I haven't been able to say about the Tars for a long time, strong locks, strong scrums, and really took it to this Brumbies team um, in Sydney at ANZ Stadium, off this sort of, what, four games in a row that they haven't been able to beat um, the Brumbies in. And they were so close. They were three minutes away from taking this one before, the like a thief in the night, Isaac Fines, a boy that I had touted who previously played for the Force and has come over to the Brumbies this year. Um, was in a bit of a halfback battle earlier in the year and wasn't getting on the field, but showed a little bit of attacking prowess and sniped his way through to take a try right at the end there and steal the win for the Brumbies. Disappointing for the Waratahs that they couldn't finish this one off, though. Like It's one of the times where they haven't just been blown off the park by a good Brumbies side early on, uh, even against all the the hype of... Oh, it's, you know, the Brumbies versus Waratahs in Sydney and it's, you know, the huge rivalry and here's the latest record and blah, blah, blah. Like, they matched it and they played pretty well. We saw we saw some better opportunities for Will Harrison actually creating some some opportunities. Carmichael Hunt was back running strong. Um, I think the back the back three contributed a bit more than usual. It all, it all came from that front football that the forwards managed to deliver. Um I think Tom Horton at, yep. at Hooker was a big part of that. Um, he kept the lineups really solid. So we talk about um, you know Simmons and Hannigan doing a great job in the lineup. Well, the ball's got to get into the right zone for them to catch. Um, actually, he, his throwing style was interesting. He he actually lobbed the ball a lot more. Like he he lofted it more, and it made me think of when we're sort of looking at when we're more looking at NFL and you talk about a quarterback, you know, dropping the ball into a space that only his receiver can can get to it. Well, if there's guys going up in front of your jumper, you can't throw it sort of directly to them. But his action actually lobbed the ball up and over. And he's throwing to sort of the six or like sort of the backside of the line out. And he just dropped it into the hands in the middle, took, yep. the, took the defense out of the contest. So um, an interesting um, sort of style of, of line out throwing. We worked on the weekend. I'll be interested to see if, if that was a, just a few sort of... Um, you know, maybe it was a nervous throw that sort of got lobbed up and worked out. But if he's doing that consistently and he's accurate, um, that sets them up. That, that One of my criticisms the other week was that the Waratahs were slow. They didn't seem to get their guys up to a height. Rob Sims is getting a half lift and catching a ball on his shoulder. It's not really, you know, excluding the opposition from, from your line. It's easy to defend. So that combination seems to have worked really well for them this week. I think I think you noticed it really, especially when Robbie Abel came back on, and suddenly the the lineout sort uh, of fell to pieces a little up. bit. Yeah. Obviously, throwing big issue for him. But yeah, all their all their forwards seemed to stand up. We're going well. Dempsey, you called it, Tobes. 
got back the start at number eight for this one. Mitch Short combining well with uh, Will Harrison. And Will Harrison, I mean, so many improvements this year from the start of the year where he was struggling with his goal kicking to now he's kicked 20 of the last 22 attempts. Um, and taking these opportunities, whether it's taking on the line, running himself, or taking the opportunity for a quick tap and a kick across the field to James Ram um, yeah. flying down the side for a, for a try. That's the sort of play and sort of intrigue and X-factor stuff that uh, he was more touted with coming out of the under-20s sort of competition that we haven't quite seen yet. But we're, we're seeing little glimpses. And, I mean, you talked about Wallaby's selections before and it looks like Noel Alessio injured in this one, potentially a hamstring, it sounds like. He may well miss the rest of this competition. Yeah, that was horrible seeing that. He, he was grasping in his knee. It was... Um... I think he was trying to step off his left foot after doing a little right foot step and then pulling back on the left and just just collapsed, really. It was a sort of a non-contact yeah. injury and looked very much like a, a ligament, a knee ligament early on. But they, they did say to me, to the, to the uneducated uh, observer... You were just listening to Phil Kearns <laughs> who was trying to say that it was yeah. a knee injury. I was like, do definitely, definitely no, no. an hamstring. I didn't. I didn't listen to Phil Kearns. I I just see a guy go down, and grab his knee, and think Fair that's enough. a that's a knee injury. I'm I'm more simple than that. Okay. But um, no, it was very worrying. But I I don't know if it's a good thing. It's a hammy because it's not the sort it's of thing that good. they're gonna. Yeah, they're not gonna just you know give him the usual surgery and he comes back strong. It's it's the sort of thing that can then play on your mind a bit. How how hard do I press? Yeah. Um. How hard do I push it? When do I feel comfortable going back to playing like it never happened? Um, so hopefully that doesn't hamper him mentally or physically. We want to see him back as soon as he's healthy. Um, but yeah, I mean, perfect timing for Harrison to step up and and have a really solid game. I think those the kick across field was you know great vision and um, great great positioning um, by the winger to to be in the right spot to to snatch that to to sort of almost come out of the dark on the sideline, um, pick that up. Those are the sorts of things you can do when you're feeling like your team's on a roll, you're confident, moving forward, you're obviously getting penalties on the right side of the field. Um, it's it's opportunistic and it's it's not it's it's still a risk, but it's it doesn't feel like it's a it's a a game, a tipping point in the game if you don't get it because you feel like you're on a roll, you're gonna get more opportunities like that. You might as well have a go at these ones and break the game, break away from your opponent if it comes off. Which they did, and then they didn't finish. So, so who stepped into the ten jersey? Well, that's what I was going to ask. Ba- Bailey Kunzel came on and showed a little bit of um, a little bit of. I mean, they described him as a sort of awkward running style, but he's he very a, a, Yeah, he showed an ability to sort of make tacklers miss. Um, probably hasn't had a lot of time taking sort of first phase ball. Um, and distributing to those outside backs, so definitely be a, a bit of a growing pains there. Um, but looks looks like he showed a little bit of promise there. Yeah, he should be serviceable in in Noah's absence. They're not going to be quite as intimidating unless he breaks out as well. Um, but you know, give him an opportunity. He he stepped into the breach pretty well, and he helped lead his team back into this game. So it, it could have been a really um, there would have been a critical juncture and they could have really fallen off and, and fallen away in this game. But they, 
they kept it together and they persevered through, you know, losing players late in the game under pressure. Um, went back to some of their some of their strengths, but even late in the game, their, their scrum was was still struggling a bit. So um, it was it was definitely an arm wrestle this one. The other interesting matchup in this is um, between Banks and Maddox. Obviously, Tom Banks back into the Brumbies team after missing uh, the first games um, of this tournament. Maddox finally getting his chance at fullback. A bit of an error-riddled game for Maddox, though I didn't really mind. He was always looking to press and looking to attack and trying to push those opportunities. And I always think that he, despite some issues with um, the handling, which I guess people have their off games. Um, I do like sort of the positions he's often putting himself in. Um, what do you think of this matchup head to head? Obviously, two young guns and most likely are going to be vying for that 15 jersey for the next few years. I, I like both players. I'm glad Maddox is getting his opportunity. Um, I don't think either of them, you know, laid a, 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 a dominant claim to the 15 jersey in this game. Um, so it'll be good to see them on the on the leg back around down in Canberra if they've both had a consistent run of games to, to build their form. Um, I, I still think I prefer Banks, um, but you know the, the evidence from this game I don't think was overwhelming one way or the other. And They're the, both solid without the, being spectacular. The public definitely agree with you. Up on our Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast, there was the poll... Um, and 65% of people preferred Banks to Maddox um, for the Wallabies 15 jersey for this year. Which, given a bit more time, like Banks has been sort of semi the incumbent or at least playing at fullback consistently, you would expect more people to, to give him that vote of confidence. Um, but for Maddox to, to snatch a third of that pole when he's played, what, is it two games at fullback? Or three in, now. in this competition? Three now? Like... It's, you know, and, and obviously he's only had the opportunity since Kirtley Beale's departed, but, like, the, you know, people are certainly seeing something there. Um, he's He's got to get back into the swing of things, find his way with the Waratahs side, and um, he'll get he'll get some good games in there for sure. If he, as long as he stays healthy and links up with uh, the the wingers he's got there at the Waratahs, there's, there's plenty of opportunities to stand out and, and stake a claim. 15 is one of the key positions for the Wallabies, isn't it, that needs to be shored up. We're seeing a real transitional year for the Wallabies. There's so many opportunities there. And I think Maddox is really showing that he wants that jersey. But I'm sure that, you know, Banks has had a few injuries in the last little while. I can see him, you know, having a really strong end to this Super Rugby um, season. And I think, you never know, if the Brumbies are in the final there, they're the form team. Um, you know, that'll do Banks's case a fair bit of good. Whereas Maddox is probably almost playing, almost carrying this team more than you probably expected. Um, and I've, I've been really impressed with him. Just he's, he really puts a, puts a stamp on the game, I'd say, every time he plays at the moment. Um, so I've been really impressed with his play. Speaking of like the wingers and linking up, um, a guy that's sort of a little bit hard to pick of where where you would um, place him in terms of the pecking order of Australian wingers. Andy Muirhead has been around for a few years, um, always puts his heart and soul into every performance for the ta- uh, for the Brumbies. Um, got a yellow card early in this game, but came back on 
and actually I think fired up the Brumbies to um, get back into this after they were getting a bit uh, put on the back foot. Where do you guys see him in the pecking order for Australian wingers? And do you think that he's going to ever be in consideration for a Wallabies jersey? Or is he, uh, through detriment of his size, just not ever going to be um, there or thereabouts? It's hard at his age and experience. Like, it's hard to stand out. Like, he, he's not going to be the new young thing, um, which is sort of what you get, particularly with wingers. Uh, every year, you get new guys coming on the scene. They're they're not ready to be a a fly half or a fullback or a centre, where it's you know maybe a slightly more critical defensive or attacking position. So they get dropped on the wing. They they usually a former fullback or fly half, and there's a lot of talk about them. Muirhead just cut, turns up and puts in a good uh, solid solid effort every game, and I, I just don't know what he does to differentiate. I'm certainly not against having him in the conversation. Um, when people start saying Dalgunu is the latest and greatest and best winger, like that's where it feels unfortunate because I don't think Dalgunu, while he's played well at a Super Rugby level and contributed a lot to the Reds, I don't think he's anything outstanding. And and I would happily, you know, consider Muirhead to be performing at a similar level, doing slightly different things, but but by no means inferior. And yet, no one wants to sort of bring him up. No one's suggesting that he's you know, an, an older guy breaking back into this to this group. Again, so Brumbies hold on for the win there. Um, they're still well, in the running, I guess, to come top of this conference, but Reds obviously um, vying for it as well. They're hampered a little bit with that draw. Let's go across the Tasman, over to the Hurricanes and the Blues on Saturday night. And we already mentioned it earlier. Battle of the Barretts, uh, Bodie going back to Wellington, copped a few boos as soon as he touched the ball. The Blues, again, good showing early, led for the majority of this game um, without one of their sort of bigger names, at least for this year, with the Hoskins to sitting this one out um, and Akira Yuani taking the number eight role. But still very strong in it, and it took, again, uh, last five minutes um, for the... Hurricanes to to get up through their forwards. Asafa Amua scoring the 75th minute off the back of a maul um, and Geordie kicking um, the Hurricanes to a victory 29-27. Geordie. I enjoyed him in the press conference after and he's just like not used to being in that position or the limelight's always on Bowden and he's just kind of like, yeah, this is pretty good. It's pretty fun. <laughs> Don't mind yeah, this. this is good. Um Real mix between Scott Barrett and Bowden, isn't it? It's like Scott Barrett in like as a back. Yeah, he's just—he's a huge guy. I, I really like Jordy. I just—he—he he has a slightly unpolished game, um, but it was good to see him get a bit of glory here. Um, and yeah, I think it does a lot of good for his All Blacks claims as well. I mean, he's—he can do it all really. He can goal kick. He's big rangy forward. I mean, I mean, big rangy back. He can knock people over. He can beat them around the side. He's got all the tricks. Um, and, yeah, just, I mean, Bowden, as you say, I think he really got shown up in that first, what was it, first 10 minutes or five minutes, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, Lal Marpi just, I feel like he's found some more pace even. It's just, yeah, he looks ridiculous. It's strange. Lal Marpi seems to have these performances every so often, but he, I don't yeah. feel like, I think someone mentioned it, even in the commentary, <clears throat> that he, he doesn't quite manage to do it when he's versing his sort of 
um, contemporaries and challenges for those All Blacks 12 and 13 positions. When he's versing the Crusaders, he never really has that dominance over someone like Crotty in past years or Goodhue or versus the Chiefs. He doesn't quite overcome Lynette Brown, um, which sort of hurts him. But then he does stuff like this, and you're like, well, how can't he be picked for um, an All Blacks position? He's he's exactly the same mould of Amata Nonu that they've had in years past that they loved having in that 12 or a Sonny Bill Williams almost, um, that big bullocking 12 that does have a little bit of speed and a little bit of skill. Um, yeah, it's... He's, a real, he's a real power player. And you're right, he's streaky, like he'll score a hat-trick and then he'll go missing the next game. And I think that's what really does let him down sometimes, his consistency. And it, at All Blacks level, they just, they're not willing to put up with that. Um, but when they pick him when he's in form, like he had a, a time there where he was getting, getting the start he would perform really well, but it's easy for him to lose that after a couple of games. Um, but yeah, it's when he's in full flight, I don't think there's there's not many better centers in the world, mm-hmm. to be honest. He was just so impressive. And to beat Bowden, like Bowden is so quick. He's probably one of the quickest guys, if not the quickest, in the All Black squad. Yeah. So that says something. Exactly. Um, and his combination with Peter Munger Jensen, because we had another shuffle in this Hurricanes backline, once again with Garden Bashup coming back into ten, which I don't understand what he's doing. Um, <laughs> but then you put, and now they've won. Now they've won, so he's going to stay there. Um, and Peter Munger Jensen went into thirteen, and he looked absolutely dynamic—a guy that's been in and about uh, around. But I think he really pushed his claim to um, hold on to that thirteen jersey. Um, they were combining well. TJ again, strong. I just don't like the relationship that TJ seems to have with Ben O'Keefe. Um, I feel like they're just absolutely too much best mates, and TJ's just <laughs> able to like. I th- I feel like Ben O'Keefe's like that slightly uncool kid at school, um, and he wants to be he friends wants with the cool him. kid with TJ, and so he'll sort of do stuff that he knows isn't quite right or is a bit wrong, or he'll like play up for the teacher just to try and seem cool in front of TJ. So he'll he'll listen to him a bit much. He'll call stuff for him. He'll be like, oh, maybe we'll go back and check that thing for you. Yeah, that's fine. And it's just like, come on, Ben, okay, be a man. Be a man. Just He's stand up to ref. him. Tell him to He's shut up. He's a shit ref. Do you, reckon he, do you reckon he follows TJ around after the game with these little sketches of tattoos asking, oh, do you reckon I should get this one, TJ? I can look cool. Like, like, I'm going to get a sleeve like you, TJ. TJ. <laughs> Yeah, they actually look good. I mean, I'm not sure I could pull it off like you, but I could try. <laughs> Such um, a dorky guy. I just, I've always, yeah. I know he's TJ's just pretty persuasive, though. I don't know. Is yeah, TJ really that much different with everyone else? He's I, no. He's, he does try and do that with all the refs, but yeah, it doesn't I think doesn't generally work as well. He's very like he's very persuasive in a lot of ways though like he is cheeky but not to a level like aaron smith who's just a bit kind of like numbskull just like shouting out like yeah. tj's a bit cleverer than that so that's it he sort of knows how far to push it craft manipulative he is <laughs> um but not just the backs of the hurricanes were um good in this game i have to give it to duplicy's karifi he's putting together performance after performance at the moment what you were saying earlier, sort of, Leo, and sort of what we used to see from Michael Hooper in terms of those crazy attacking runs, linking up with his back line and stuff, I feel like that's what we're seeing with Duplessis Karifi at the moment. Um, he's breaking through the line, he's setting up tries himself, and he's also being that presence around the ruck where he gets multiple turnovers a game as well. 
Um, he's really between him and Papali'i, like they're putting some absolutely huge amount of pressure on um, Sam Kane trying to keep that number seven jersey. But like like Hooper, he has to be the automatic because he's the captain. Creepy yeah. loco. Like that, it's that like nuggety ball runner. Like he's just sort of shakes guys off, just makes himself hard to tackle. Um, and I do like that he's a pest in the ruck, and he seems to be reasonably successful even with the extra um, focus on on the pilfering laws. Like it's now now it's all about get your hands on the ball as quickly as possible. And if you get one decent lift at it while the guy's still holding on to it, you pretty much get the penalty right because the guy should have placed it, and then he can't. He has no right to it after that. Whereas the old style with the big, like the strong, strong man, like maybe it's more of the South African forwards, um, or just the big guys that go over the top when your locks are trying to pill from, they just wrap up the whole player and ball and just lift and like, oh, he's lying on it, sir. Like they're not really paying those anymore because they don't think you're in a real position to get the ball. Um, and the guy can place it back between his legs. Like if you don't have two hands on the ball and nothing on the play, you're not getting it. So he's, he's, um, coming at the ball in a style that is still quite effective, um, and he seems to be getting a few more turnovers compared to a lot of the sevens. And we'll quickly touch on the Blues. Like, not a bad game, but at, by any extent, um, Atiro Black, unfortunately, um, the injury in this one will be interesting to see whether Bowden does shift back to ten now that he is injured. Um, there's already been sort of comments in the media here and Bowden saying that his preferred position is 10, so I think we will see it. Um, and that may mean we... Which means... DC. Do we see Matt Duffy? Oh. Matt Duffy? Dan Carter? And DC on the bench? I don't know. DC at 15? <laughs> Matt Duffy. Um, yeah, he's he's Legend. fan favourite, man. He, he he should get a get another chance. To, to play around with these this back three. Uh, we saw Caleb Clark miss this one as well uh, with Narawa coming into um, number 14, um, which didn't have a bad game, did still manage to copy yellow card, but yeah, not to the same um, influence that Caleb Clark was having on this game. But yeah, it's hard for the Blues slumping to another, another loss here, which was against what the bookie said and against what everyone else tipped. Um, in the Super Rugby, um, the Running Rugby pod pool, um, except for one really, really smart guy, um, who I also think tipped the Highlanders over the Chiefs, which ended up being um, the case, 33-31. to 31. The Chiefs slump to five in a row. Warren Gatlin, is that guy even a good coach? <laughs> like, what's this guy doing? He can't even win a Super yeah. Rugby game and you're trusting him to coach the British and Irish Lions? Like... Yeah, devastating for the Chiefs. Like, they really had this game by the scruff, and they allowed Aaron Smith to put on godlike mode and and drag the Highlanders back into it with, with support from guys like um, McKay and Nareki. Um, you know, yeah, Nareki. Like, just you know, that that's the Highlanders that they're sort of always in it. And as long as as long as you're within a try or two, um, there's a, there's a way, and there's always a will. So, um, just de- devastating for them. You can see. The Chiefs players after this game, they, they caught a few frames of McKenzie and um, Kane and guys on the sideline, and they were just like blown out. And then you got the uh, Highlanders coaches just like basically popping champagne, sinking beers in the, in the coach's box, and Warren Gatlin's just stony face after being like happy, smiling, looking a bit more relaxed early in the game, and he's just stone faced after that. Like, 
31-7 up, though. How did yeah. he drop that lead? That's ridiculous. Yeah. And this is but, a team that was absolutely killing it earlier on in the season. And now they're 0-5. It's just, yeah. yeah, amazing. It's unbelievable to watch. Um, and so if you haven't seen the game, I highly recommend going back and watching um, the second half at least. Um, but it's a team that's done it for. The Highlanders did it. There's that um, crazy section from the Highlanders versus the Cheetahs where they managed to put on sort of 20 points or 18 points um, in the space of like two minutes and 30 seconds or something to come back and win the game. They're a team that can always come back from anywhere. You can never count them out. And that's that's the problem with this competition for um, the Chiefs. There's no easy games. There's no easy game to get um, a little bit of momentum back and get yourself into winning ways. You really have to um, grind in to get a win here and get yourself back onto a winning record. And it's it's the season's pretty much done for these boys now. Like, they're mm-hmm. really isn't a lot there's to play no for for these Chiefs. Yeah. There's just nothing... There's no time left to recover. It's That's it. There's five games down. Um, the best they can do is match the Hurricanes and the current... And Blues' current records. And that's just not going to be enough. So what are they playing for? They're playing for their All Blacks potential selection. And, you know, it's going to be hard. Like, if you go that many straight down... Um, Unless there's some young upstarts or, or players who haven't made this made the 23 in the wings with some energy, um, who, who's going to lift? Who's going to find the reason to play for for this team? It's it's not just going to be Warren Gatlin cracking the whip and having tougher sessions, and it's probably not you know relaxing and saying all right we need to like they have, they've had their mid season break. It's already been and gone. It's uh it's not going to play out well. So I'm interested. Um, in what you guys think with Mitch Hunt, does he stay at 10 now that Joshuani's back in the picture? I know he came off the bench in this one. And I think Hunt shifted to 15, didn't he? He did. And I think he looked quite good at 15, um, which okay. I, I wasn't. So he, I didn't think that he would be that good, but he looked quite good with a bit of open space, has a little bit of turn of speed. He seemed um, comfortable with that. So I think he does go to 15. Okay. So the Highlanders yeah. have a week off as well. So they've got a bit of time to plan for that. Um, and they'll be riding high. They got the Blues in Forsyth Bar when they're back, so big test. Um, yep. But yeah, they can score points. They they're can. scoring points. The Highlanders, yeah, it's what they need to do. And in this in this sort of competition, you know, you often have to score twenty five, thirty points to get the win. Um, so yep. going to next week, we'll start off with the Super Rugby Artiloa, um quickly, and the Crusaders back off the bye, host the Hurricanes on Saturday night. Um, that's out of Christchurch, Crusaders, Hurricanes. Um, anyone gonna pick the upset with the Hurricanes here? I'm getting a whole lot of shaking heads. No, I don't think even you're brave enough to do it, Arch. Mate, that's because I pick pick winners, all right? Ah, hence and hence, no one, no one gives the Hurricanes, um, much of a, much of a go in this one, like, I'm sure they'll be in it for a part, but the the Crusaders are still across the board too yeah. solid at home. I mean, this is the best the Canes have played all year, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so they have a they have a chance, but down there in Christchurch, I mean, thirty-four game home winning streak. Yeah, I don't I don't see it happening. Yep. Don't see it happening. Take the Saders. Yeah. 
and but I think like all these games in um, this competition, it's going to be close. Like it's going to be under ten points still, despite how dominant um, teams are going. What about on Sunday? We have the Blues versus the Chiefs at Eden Park. Just can't find a reason for them to like for pride. That's it. Like they they want to knock over one of these decent teams sometime in the season. They're probably not going to beat the Chiefs. Probably aren't going to beat the Crusaders. Um, so maybe this is the one that they'll they'll try and get a decent scout for the season. Um, I, I, but I don't see it happening. This, this is a Blues game. Uh, hopefully Hoskins to Tutu's back. I'm sure they'll find a way to manage without a Terra Black. Um, He's called Bowden Barrett at ten. That's how they yeah. manage. I'd, I'd really just one comment. I want to see the Blues put TJ Fanani back into starting at twelve. I don't really oh, understand why they keep trying to put Plummer in. And when they were doing the introductions on this game on Saturday, they're like two big guys at second five and talking about Lani, Nani Lamarpi and Harry Plummer. I was like, look, he's a bit bigger than what I thought he was, but they're not comparable, mate. Like, this he's probably got 10, 15 kilos on Plummer, doesn't he? Well, apparently, oh, apparently um, Plummer is 96 kilos and Lamarpi's 104, so... Apparently it's only eight kilos, but well, Plummer started two games and they've lost two in a row. Yeah, that tells you something. Exactly. Get he wasn't bad to start the Crusaders game. He wasn't actually bad. He hasn't actually bad played badly. I keep food. waiting for him to do something mm. poorly, and he hasn't really um, underperformed too much. So mm-hmm. I haven't haven't bad mouthed him, but I think TJ's got to start. Um, but yeah, I'd take I'd take the Blues here. You be at the game. Yep, that'd be the plan, mate. Pretty good. <laughs> I think this is going to be tight. I think the Chiefs are going to be super fired up. Like, I this think is the Blues a big will game, too. This is their season now. Like, well, they drop this. That's three losses in a row, and the shine comes right off. That's so, it. if Bowden's at ten, I think they get it done. They play him at fifteen and move Plummer to ten. I think the Blues lose. Interesting. What, what, if, say, what and, if Dan and, Carter and comes in and starts at 10? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I just, I have no idea. Surely that's, that's a, you know, a positive, but I, I just don't know how he's going to perform at this level, yeah. having been gone for five years. Fair. Let's go to Super Rugby Australia, and on Friday night, first game of the weekend, we have the Waratahs hosting the Melbourne Rebels back there at the Sydney Cricket Ground, uh, where they managed to knock off the force a couple of weeks ago. Um... Waratahs obviously seem to be on the up, seem to be gaining some momentum despite the close loss last week. They'd be wanting to um, use that to come out hard against this Rebels team that still don't seem like they've... Well, I don't think they've ever really felt like they've been on a roll um, since that five-game winning streak to open up Super Rugby last year. Yeah, this game, I I hope the Waratahs can, can keep... Uh, the best best form from last week. Uh, if they do that, I, I'm tipping them uh, at home. I, I just think the Rebels are dysfunctional. They have their moments. Uh, they'll probably do me dirty in this one and, and have one of their best moments and roll the Tars. Um, but, you know, these guys are now on the road all the time. They're not going back to Victoria. They're going to be fatiguing. Um, they're, they're not going to see their families. Everything's, you know, out of a suitcase, out of a hotel. So um, does that wear on them? Maybe um, it's probably still early in that schedule for that, but 
Um, I, I just don't have a lot of faith in the Rebels, and I think the Tars offer offer good performance, albeit a losing performance against the Brumbies. And they've got room to to find the the form now, learn the good lessons from that game, and and put the Rebels away. What's your key matchup in this game between the Tars and Rebels? Tamura and matchup. Tamura and Harrison. Is that still nah, most nah. enterprising, or is it's that an important Maddox and Hale Petty? Yeah, probably Maddox and Hale Petty would be more interesting. Like Tamura, I, I don't get excited thinking about what what Tamura's going to do this week. It's like eh. Like I hope Harrison does some good stuff. Tomorrow's eh. But yeah, the fullbacks. The fullbacks for sure. You get good platforms, um, big kicking teams, both of them. So there's gonna be some territorial kicking, there's gonna be some um you know, some some returns and some some lofts to, to chase. Uh, I wanna see Maddox get up over some of the rebels backs and, and take some of his own bombs and, and create a good forward platform for the for the Tars. I wanna see Carmichael like smash Billy Meeks. <laughs> just like I just I can picture it right now. I just a homeless man. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, he's samurai now. He's got the top knot. Yeah, he's looking good. Um the the bookies like the rebels though. They're yeah. they're fa- slight favorites. I think it's just the the players the rebels have you'd expect them to win this. Yeah, it is. But I just get the feeling the Tars I think they're all Maybe they're alive. getting some ascendancy. And at home, I mean, they're Sydney starting to get some not really helping anyone. But... Yeah, they, they are. And I, I think maybe they've got a pretty good vibe in the group. I think mm. Penny's maybe instilling that confidence in them. So I think, look, I'm going to take the Waratahs in this one by three points. Yeah, I, I feel like you're I'm just so down on the Rebels at the moment. They're like the Chiefs. Like, I just can't, can't back it until I see it. Um and then Saturday night, uh, the Western Force, technically at home, um, hosting the Brumbies. And this is coming from Leichhardt Oval in, uh, well, in Leichhardt in Sydney. Um, Leichhardt. <laughs> I know, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? Um, You're doing better than our app, Arch, which says it's TBC somewhere. Well, I literally had to keep search like three different sites and it wasn't until I actually went on Ticketek to buy a ticket that I actually found out where it was. Um, so Maybe it's we should really... get down there. What a game. That's well, going to be awesome. And Leichhardt Oval is such a good ground. venue to watch this as well. So it should be absolutely amazing. Um, and two, yeah, really enterprising teams. So I think it's going to be a bit of a tough... The first half is just going to be a tussle. Um, I think, like like we keep seeing, the force may well fall off in the second half. But it's not going to be an easy game. It's just like any of these games. They're not easy games when you come up against this force team. And especially the week after losing Noel Alessio. So now they've got to um, reset, uh, decide if, if they do want to continue on um, with, the, with sort of the, the plan B backfield they used on the weekend. Yep. Or are they going to pivot again and and try something new. Uh, look, I, I think the Brumbies still have it in the forwards, and as much as the the force are playing really well, I think the Brumbies have the mentality they'll 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 shut it down. They'll target those good players. Don't know if Pryor's shoulder's going to let him play, but um, John Lance will be a threat. He'll be putting guys through holes, but I think the Brumbies' structure and and experience will will keep them in the game, even if they're not scoring a whole lot of points like they have previously. Uh, probably another close game, but I, I still think it would be Brumbies in around the seven mark. 
I've been I've been waiting for a traditional Brumby Brumby's shellacking, um, and I thought it could be this game, but I think with the change at ten, it's going to be tricky for them to adjust on the fly. Um, and John O'Lance is going to be putting pressure, you know, in defence on that young number ten who comes in. So I think the Brumbies. I don't see how a way that they lose this really, but I, I expect it to be closer, maybe still around the ten point mark in the end because the force really haven't shown much form in the second half. Hopefully they can improve because we've seen them start so well in games. I just hope that they can um, help, you know, maintain that through the game, that level of play. I'm really hoping that we see Irae Simone step up in this one. Like he's going to have to take on a bit more responsibility at the number 12 position in her, terms of helping run that back line. Um, and I think... Dude, he could play 10. He could do it. He does have the skill set. I don't then know who if do they you want, put want to displace him. Who do you put at 12 then? It's probably... Yeah, it's there's a lot of questions there. You're just maybe, you know, creating more problems for yourself with combinations yeah. if you're displacing him. So you probably just got to back Unless him. you get Solomon Akata back in and put him at 12 and then put her at Ooh. 10 and you start just... Jeez. Just play a bunch of centers. That's the biggest back line of all time. <laughs> Solomon Akata at 10. Um, but yeah, I like we were talking about him for Wallabies um, twelve earlier in this year, so um, we haven't quite seen it since he's come back. He's had a few sort of all right performances, a few mistakes now and again. Um, so this is a time for him to really step up. And for um, the other thing I want to see is I want to see Will Miller um, get back to starting. Um, he comes on off the bench and he brings a lot of energy and despite Cusack getting the try early um, in this last Brumbies game, I think, I think, look, Will Miller's a, a future player for those Brumbies and I don't think Cusack is. Um, so I, I think it's a time to make a transition and I think putting the, the Miller, um, Pete Samu and Valentini back row is, is a really strong option. Yeah, I think Cusack's more of a six overall. Um, but again, he's he's one of those utility back rowers that will just do... He'll play the role that you want him to. But I agree. I think Will Miller... Been impressed with him all year. He just... He, he takes 15, 20 minutes that he gets and he makes the most of it. Yeah. Um, gets the odd pilfer. Always brings that intensity. And has the work rate that Cusack does, I, I think. So I don't think you lose too much. I think you actually gain a bit more having him on the field from the start. Um, I just want to see a bit more form from Pete Samu. He needs to bring the ball carrying because otherwise you're placing a lot of pressure on Valentini to do that. Mm. Um, I think they need to work in combination. And Will Miller, let's not forget, he could carry the ball as well. He's he's decent in that respect too. So, Brummies, look, I think it's it's hard. They got the win on the weekend, but they, they wouldn't have been happy with that. So they'll probably be fired up for a big performance to bounce back here. Um, and it's whether the force can just, just disrupt that team with some of the savvy veterans they, they have in that lineup. Isaac Fines, so good. Yeah, he's good. Joe Powell's playing well as well. They've That's got a couple true. of options there. Um, and Lonigan's yeah, look, the force, not even there either. Lonigan, that's right. I mean, this. The Brumbies have always got pretty good depth, but yeah, a change at ten, having having Noah in such good form, yeah, um, really directing the team around well, that does hurt. But these backs, this back line is good enough to adjust, I think, and yeah. and give enough assistance to whoever comes in there and 
and take some of the pressure off them. I think Tom Banks, you'll see him with the ball in his hands a bit more than usual, maybe. Mm. Sounds about right. All right, well, that might do us for the week then. Uh, again, it's so easy to just talk about these guys for, for hours and hours. We have to limit ourselves a little bit at times. Um, make sure you are tuning in uh, to Twitter and Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or at Running Rugby Pod. That's on Twitter um, to keep up with the latest news, the latest little polls um, and picks for the weekend's games. Um, and make sure you've pressed subscribe and you've you've left a little comment if you have anything else to say about the show. Um, if you think something we've said is outrageously wrong, if you think Leo's an absolute idiot for saying that the Wallabies captain shouldn't be picked at um, for a Wallaby starting jumper. Look, let him know. Blast him. We'll be back next week. Again, another couple of exciting matches. And I can't wait to talk about some of these standout performances we'll have next week. But until then, keep on running. Run. Darcy Short was combining well with Harrison, and look for Harrison. He's kicking. Darcy I think he's kicked. Short. Mid Short. Darcy Short played for the Hobart Hurricanes. <laughs> <laughs>